Hi, everybody. This is The Simpsons Show. I'm Robbie with my co-host, Matt, and we are here to talk about The Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you? I am wonderful, uh, and in a wonderful act of, uh, you know, expanding the, the genre for the podcast, we've added a new character. Oh, right. That's true. That's I like that, Matt. You're smart. Uh, we are we are uh, joined today by uh, reoccurring. He's not. That's I guess this isn't his first appearance, though. Shh. It's new. <laughs> okay, I got it. Uh, Andrew Bloom of the AndrewBlog.net. Andrew, how you doing? Welcome back. I'm doing. Thank you very much. I'm doing well, Robbie. And thank you guys for having me back, despite my many complaints about the Christmas Ape cinematic universe. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think part two has some redeemable. I think it has some stuff that's like it's like Prometheus, you know, like it's not great, but there's stuff in there that you can take. I mean, it's look. fine, but but part five with the Yuletide soldier was a shameless cash grab if I've ever seen. I'm one. not going to defend part five. You can't. Defend part five. <laughs> no, it's impossible. Uh, we are brought to you by supporters on Patreon. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show. For only $2 a month, you gain access to all of our bonus content. Uh, $5 a month, you get episodes a little bit early. There's other things you can go look at. We really uh, appreciate everyone who does support us. Keeps the show ad-free. Also, you can go to Apple Podcasts, not iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review. Subscribe. Tell your friends. I know every podcast tells you to do those things, but they tell you because it really does help. Uh, find help Helps the show find more people, and we like that. On to this week's episode. It is The Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie Show, episode 4F12, originally aired February 9th, 1997, written by David S. Cohen. Uh, before he became X Cohen, uh, and directed by Stephen Dean Moore, finished tied for 38th. Uh, see, Nielsen rating of 8.8, third highest rated show on Fox that week. Behind, I'm guessing the X Files and King of the Hill. That'd be my guess. Shocking, I wonder. It doesn't say uh, I couldn't find it, but I'm guessing it's been behind X Files and King of the Hill a lot recently. So that's my guess. Those are both good shows, mostly. Looking at you, X Files seasons, what well, like after. Six probably after after Mulder leaves. Honestly, that's it. Yeah, that's when it gets terrible. It, yeah, um, the couch gag is a parody of the Sgt. Pepper's album cover, which the we've have I, I, we've seen this one yet before, have we? Or I want to say we have. Did seem kind of familiar. I want to say that I don't I've know. I don't pay those, anymore. I think I've said those words before, but I, 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 it's we were in the second half of the season, and it's in this point where they start re- sprinkling in the ones from the first half because they don't want to have to make twenty four or twenty five new couch gags every year. Uh, regardless, so. it's a short intro, uh, and we get uh, this episode guest stars Alex Rocco as Roger Myers Jr. and Phil Hartman as Troy McClure in a very bit part. Yeah. Uh, Troy McClure is a very small part. Uh, Roger Myers Jr. has a very large part in this. Um, does pretty, Alex Rocco does a good job, as always. Uh, I mean, I think he just generally is doing his actual voice, but it really works for, I think it works for Roger Myers Jr.'s <laughs> character. So he brings out this sort of consistently world-weary and annoyed at everything quality in Roger Myers that, that drives home how he is this annoyed studio head. Yeah, he is the cynical Walt Disney and Walt Disney and Walt Disney was already quite cynical. So it's, that's, that's pretty cynical. Um, episode begins with, uh, Krusty the clown on television. Uh, he has a one man pie fight, which I wish we actually would see that. I'm curious what that means. (laughs) That'd be, that would blow their animation budget. I guess so. Uh, we get itchy, uh, itchy and scratchy. Um, but they're, they're, there's no one watching. 
the show. Marge walks into the room, and the television is just on, but no one's watching. Uh, Bart and Lisa are nowhere to be found, uh, and she like tracks them down, and she's like, "Why don't don't you guys want to watch your show?" It you know she's a little confused. You're missing that Chin Scratchy show. Yeah. Don't you like it anymore? Sure, we love it. But how can we watch TV when it's so beautiful out? Well, yeah, Mom. I mean, we love you and Dad, too, but God knows we don't need to see you every day. An occasional hug is all I ask. Mom, <laughs> you can hug me when I'm asleep. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a mom, hugging you when you least expect it. Say, so Marge doesn't have a lot to do in this episode, but that's such a great little character moment for her. Yes, it is. And I think that, I don't know, there was, I, I'm going to be mentioning the news group a lot in this episode because it weighs heavily into the actual content yeah. of the episode, honestly. But also, <laughs> uh, they there were complaints about off-character, like, of these characters, like Marge not objecting as much to Itchy and Scratchy and, and things along that line, but frankly, I don't. I think Marge has gotten past that. We've seen her try and stop Itchy and Scratchy multiple times, and it doesn't, you know, I think because that was fruitless, she's kind of backed off and seen it as relatively... It's only really a couple times, right? I mean, it's just, uh, you know, Itchy and Scratchy and Marge, and then she went to Itchy and Scratchy land with them and didn't really seem to have much yeah, of a complaint it, about it. I don't know. Like, I, I think some of, the, some of that, some of those complaints, especially in the news group, were probably just because... Of the nature of this episode, uh, which pokes, 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 pokes fun at them. Maybe is a little mean to them at times, but that I, I, I think some of the backlash against, I, I don't think Homer or Bart, Lisa or Marge are really mischaracterized in this episode. Uh, I think yeah. they're kind of in, in mostly inconsequential to this episode. Uh, really, <laughs> I aside <laughs> well, from it, aside from Homer, but. Yeah, I was about to say, Homer's uh, pretty uh, central, but Bart, Lisa, and Marge are kind of like background characters. I, I mean, but Homer doesn't – he's not like the – he's not like super Homer – like he doesn't really like do a lot like, – like what you expect from Homer. He's more of just like a big cheerleader for Poochie because he's – He also doesn't – he also doesn't drive the episode the way that Homer normally does. He sort of is carried along by events that are happening as opposed to his choices and his decisions moving things forward in the way it would happen in a normal Simpsons episode. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's also probably I don't I, I think people when they're complaining about mischaracterization, they probably are really just like it's a plot driven episode. It is like obviously the writers and creators are making episode about making the show in in its eighth season, you know, this is episode 167 of the Simpsons. And this is the episode where they pass the Flintstones as the longest running primetime animated show, which I don't, it, I don't know. I, I can't, that can't be the, the, the exact placement of this episode being that episode that passes the Flintstones. I cannot, that cannot be a coincidence to me. It feels very purposeful. They chose this to be that episode. The one where it talks about the, the exact problem of longativity in a show. Like this? Did you say longativity? Is that another? Is that not a word, Matt? No, no, it's not a word. It's perfectly cromulent. I, I, well, in the Simpsons world, I'm sure it is. Longativity. What's a, what's a what would you replace it with? Give me a, a substitution. Longevity. Longativity. I like my word more. Uh, I think long, longativity is the a word around. That, <laughs> it, it's something that people with adultivity use. <laughs> exactly. I appreciate the support, Andrew. I know I'm wrong, but I don't care. Uh, 
and, and a lot of this episode is focused on uh, the Krusty and Roger Myers. And, and we see Krusty and Roger Myers get into an argument uh, about what's killing Krusty's rating, and it is clearly Itchy and Scratchy. Uh, not really through any fault of Itchy and Scratchy. Itchy and Scratchy is kind of just doing the same thing they always do, which is have lots of cartoon violence. Uh, and Krusty basically threatens Roger Myers. He's like, yeah, fix your, fix your show. It's destroying my ratings, etc., etc." They get in an argument, and Roger Myers destroys Krusty's door. Like, it's pretty, he's pretty strong, strong fella. Well, yeah, I mean, it's all those uh, cigars that cigars make you really strong. Breakfast of champions. And lunch and dinner of champions. <laughs> By the way, I also like that Krusty uses the word blingwads. It really sounds like the sort of thing Krusty would say. Just, I don't know. I, I Have you guys heard the term blingwads before outside uh, of the Simpsons? N- I No, I'm... I assumed it was Yiddish. I, I, it, it's, it, I don't think it actually is Yiddish, but it sounds like it could be like a, it's like yeah. pigeon, pigeon Yiddish. Like it's a crusty made up word that he just was like, Hey, it sounds close enough to Yiddish. So I'm going to use it, but it does. It is. Uh, uh, why? I, I would just, I want to know when are we getting the crusty anime? Like well, that there's lots of bling wads inside of it. <laughs> I know, right? I assumed that was the Mattel and Mars Bars Chocobot Hour that uh, we see later or before this, but uh, you know, it could be something different. That's true, but I think in, we're still in still 1997. I don't think anime has crossed over to be a something something that Krusty knows about at this point. It feels no, like adults have no clue. I'm waiting for Mr. Sparkle the series. Ooh, that actually that's not a, like there's plenty of corporate branded anime, so I'm full of product placement so we can do mr sparkle definitely he i mean he saves the day he keeps you clean it's very important um they go shopping marge has to buy a brassiere not a bra a brassiere and doesn't let the kid i think that's the she doesn't want the kids going with her for some reason they're 10 and 8 year old 10 year 10 and 8 year old kids cannot go shopping with for bras with their mother apparently the, the kids immediately say they're they're going to wander and be very careful and they immediately follow a stranger uh into a room with other children uh because they be roped into a focus test group for itchy and scratchy not that they knew what that was they just you know said hey somebody who was not a parent said, and looked nicer said hey will you come with us I guess he had a he had a mustache, which men with must mess men with mustache only facial hair are always completely trustworthy. And sweater vests, sweater, or just sweat, anything, sweaters, I guess. If anything, he looks a little creepy, and even just the way he says, "Would you like to come with me?" It's kind of off putting. Well, it's it's Springfield. It's the safest town in America. That's fair. Yeah, there's you don't have to worry about uh, child abuse or, or or anything. We've never heard of a child murder or abduction. Exactly. Never. You just have. It, in a town where all you have to worry about is comets and glass domes, like child abduction doesn't even factor in. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's never really been a major concern of the show. Uh, <laughs> but we get uh, one of the many tremendous sequences in this episode where the kids are meant, are asked to rate uh, the quality of, uh, of, of the Itchy and Scratchy. They watch an Itchy and Scratchy cartoon. They get a yes and a no buzzer. Say yes, they like it. Yes, they don't. They like Itchy, they like Scratchy. One kid seems to love the Speedo Man. What more do they want? Okay, how many of you kids would like Itchy and Scratchy to deal with real-life problems like the ones you face every day? And who would like to see them do just the opposite, getting into far-out situations involving robots and magic powers? Me! Oh, yeah, that's what I'm 
So you want a realistic, down-to-earth show that's completely off the wall and swarming with magic robots. That's right. Oh, yeah. 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 And also, you should win things by watching. <sighs> you kids don't know what you want. That's why you're still kids, because you're stupid. Just tell me what's wrong What the freaking show. Sir, the thing is, there's not really anything wrong with the Itchy and Scratchy show. It's as good as ever. But after so many years, the characters just can't have the same impact they once had. That's it. That's it, little girl. You saved Itchy and Scratchy. Please sign these papers indicating that you did not save Itchy and Scratchy. <laughs> it's so good. It's really good. Also, also, please refrain from tasting the knobs. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor Ralph. Uh, the Ralph, Ralph immediately go into the no on when, when the gifts of set is. It's full of so many, full of so many small little touches. Uh, that I mean, obviously, are like when the moderator like specifically mentions, do you like down to earth or do you like you know more outlandish, crazy things like robots? I mean, it is it is clearly talking about uh, the dichotomy of Simpsons fans at the time and the direction the show was headed, where it used to be a very simple sim- family sitcom that was just a little bit, uh, you know, the family was dysfunctional, was the crazy thing. And then, I mean, Itchy and Scratchy Land literally has robots that go crazy in it. So it's, and a lot of fans were divided, uh, and we've kind of touched on that uh, as we've talked about the news groups and what they've thought of episodes as we've gone along. and. This is, I mean, these are children on the show, but the general fandom was also split along these lines in a lot of ways. They, some people wanted the down-to-earth stuff, and some people wanted, no, I want more outlandish, silly stuff. I don't need the down-to-earth stuff anymore. Well, and what's particularly interesting about it is it's not even portrayed as a division among the focus group in the show, but rather like they want both things at the same time and they are equally agreeable to these opposing forces. I think that coupled with Millhouse wanting to be able to win things by watching the show speaks to a, a, a view from the folks making it that in some ways the fans don't know what they want or don't know how to articulate it, or at least that the ideas that they have are impractical and unrealistic to the extent you could do them at all. Yeah, It's true. It, no one actually knows what they want. I mean, that's why Apple is a thing. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Well, it's, it's rounded rectangles, Matt. That's, that's all you need to know uh-huh. for Apple's success. Uh, is Also, it doesn't, even if there is a, a theoretically divide in fandom, like if some certain fans of The Simpsons like them this way and the other fans like them the other way, there isn't a necessarily that impression isn't, does, isn't getting to the creators. All they hear is the cacophony of mixed opinion seemingly coming from the same source. Like the people who continually watch our show saying, yes, we like this, and yes, we also like this, and they're, they don't make any sense together necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, I I got a lot more out of this episode watching it this time, especially I haven't watched this episode since we started the podcast and having read all those newsgroup comments over the years of of the show so far and then watching this episode, it re- it it's it says a lot more. It said a lot more to me than it had in previous viewings where all I got really was it from, hey, there's that's the episode with Poochie from Poochie and the nerds. Yeah, exactly. You know, the someone got fired for that blunder stuff. Um, <laughs> but 
I mean, Lisa nails it on the head. I mean, Lisa is kind of the voice of reason in this story. She's just like, yeah, that's, I mean, it's the nature of art. And when a series like this has stuck around for so long, uh, you, it's just, it's the same for so long. Eventually you just, you, it, the novelty wears off and there's nothing you can really do about it unless you add a new character. Well, that will just interrupt the dramaturgical dyad. Come on, Rob. <laughs> Speaking of uh, dramaturgical dyads, uh, they have a meeting where Roger Myers uh, hashes out what he wants from this new character. I have figured out how to rejuvenate the show. It is so simple. You egghead writers would have never thought of it. What we need is a new character, one that today's kids can relate to. Are you absolutely sure that's wise, sir? I mean, I don't want to sound pretentious here, but Itchy and Scratchy comprise a dramaturgical dyad. Hey, this ain't art, it's business. What do you got in mind? Sexy broad, gangster octopus? No, no. The animal chain of command goes mouse, cat, dog. D-O-G. Uh, dog? Isn't that a tad predictable? In your dreams, we're talking the original dog from hell. You mean Cerberus? We at the network want a dog with attitude. He's edgy. He's in your face. You've heard the expression, let's get busy? Well, this is a dog who gets busy. Consistently and thoroughly. So he's proactive, huh? Oh, God, yes. We're talking about a totally outrageous paradigm. Excuse me, but proactive and paradigm, aren't these just buzzwords that dumb people use to sound important? Not that I'm accusing you of anything like that. I'm fired, aren't I? Oh, yes. The rest of you writers start thinking up a name for this funky dog. I don't know, something along the lines of, say, Poochie, only more proactive. Yeah! So, Poochie okay with everybody? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's good. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes. To answer Schwarzwald's question, yes. (laughs) There's no way proactive could ever apply to Poochie. I was... Anyway. I... That those words make me wince. They say those words, and and I don't, and they just I I uh, it makes me hurt a little inside. Yeah, I don't know about that, Robbie. I think it's a very teachable moment. Oh. How it's important to use real words when you're communicating, so people don't uh, you know, so you don't have to look smart. So people understand that you actually are smart. I I just like I mean this episode. I think we have been critical of the other. Uh, I don't know, meta animation, uh, Itchy and Scratchy and Marge, and uh, The Front. But both of those, I think, fail largely at this same thing. I think this episode kind of succeeds in all the ways they falter. And this design by committee, the focus groups, those awful words, uh, even the writers themselves, like, the writers aren't given, like, they are also like portrayed as, you know, I don't want to be pretentious. And then, hey, here's a very pretentious thing I'm going to say uh, about my cartoon show. Uh, and like, they don't, they make itchy and scratchy in The Simpsons, which is not, you know, it's very colorful ways of two animals slaughtering each other. It is not actually The Simpsons. But I don't know. I, I go back and forth of like, they are. I, I think it's this is where I go like, oh, those news group people who are upset. Like, I don't know if they were right to be ups- that right to be upset because I think the writers do poke some fun at themselves and have over the years. Um, 
uh, but also time, but it also like they have all the power, so it's not not necessarily equal in my eyes. I, I definitely think the writers let themselves off pretty easy here. I mean, not that they don't poke fun at themselves and and painting themselves as stuffy and pretentious is kind of a fun self-deprecating thing, but they are. A, much harder on the fans, and B, much, much harder on the sort of corrupt corporate executive types. I mean, corrupt's probably too far, but the no-nothing No, no, corrupt, corrupt's a good word for it. <laughs> I, don't think they're, I, mean, I don't think they're corrupt. I think they're just inept. I think that they don't want – they. and I, I like – the thing is that, like, this has gotten worse. This is not a – like, this – form of focus focus group testing and 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 like creation by committee is the thing that has plagued more art I, I like it hasn't gone away i and i think we are just more we're probably more privy to it now just because of we have more access to uh the, the process a lot of the times in anything we consume in not even just television shows but any kind of art we consume at all we kind of the advent of the internet, things are more open, there's more information, we see more into these things, and a lot of time, like, how many Transformers movies are there now? How many, like, this the constant, like, sequels and reboots, and, like, the, the television shows that have spinoffs that you don't know, like, there's no seeming real reason, and it feels very much like these things are, are all created by committee and focus-tested to death to take away any kind of sense of originality and stuff like that, so... I, I'm on their side for that, it, but it seems like a target of that in this episode in particular. And it, it, this episode, I don't really mind it that much. I do think it is can be mean uh, and is a little mean in this episode, but it gets much worse later on. And those are some of my least favorite episodes, honestly. I think this episode is, uh, aside from like a couple quotes from Comic Book Guy and is it, which is which nerd is the one that? Uh, asks I want to say it's Doug, but I can't remember the yeah, exact. Yeah, I don't. Name. I don't remember who's. I think that's right. Uh, yeah, I'll trust you, Matt. You're the you're the genius. You're the genius at work. But aside from that, it's pretty. <laughs> I think relatively, it's it's more definitely targeting the corporate types who are like creating Poochie. I agree with that, and I, I don't even think it's too mean necessarily. But it's definite. There there is not a proportional amount of ire directed at the corporate types as there is the writers poking fun at themselves. They sort of get this one scene where they're stuffy, but generally resistant to the idiocy of the people in charge of them, where Lindsay Nagel and Krusty and Roger Myers have the most ridiculous ideas expressed in the stupidest ways. <laughs> it is. That yeah. sounds about right. Yeah, they're pretty, they're, it's pretty awful. Uh, and I, of course, I need to include all that awfulness. So, so uh, next, now they decided on Poochie as a name. Uh, they have to design what Poochie looks like. No, no. He was supposed to have attitude. Um, what, what do you mean exactly? Oh, you know, attitude, attitude. Uh, the, the sunglasses. Can we put him in more of a hip-hop context? Forget context. He's got to be a surfer. Give me a nice schmear of surfer. I feel we should rostify him by 10% or so. I think he needs a little more attitude. Oh, yeah. Bingo. There it is, right there. Ah, That's it. I love it. Everyone knows attitude <laughs> comes from giant sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, Ray-Bans. That's all you need. That is a substitute. Yep. That's, su- that's a substitute. <laughs> that makes you cool. A substitute for personality. You just have uh, 
giant Ray-Ban sunglasses. Well, cool clothes <laughs> in general are a substitute for a personality because, you know, obviously Poochie can't look like Itchy and Scratchy at all. Yeah, the, I mean, I, this episode, I mean, it, it speaks to that that general trend towards, like, to freshen something up. It's not to, like, go back to the core of the thing and try and extract something from that. It is to, like, hey, let's just do a completely different thing. I'm sure that will strike strike uh, the right chord with the fans who have watched something for years and years and years. Uh, uh, we get the, the headline that Funny Dog to make life worthwhile. Oh, so they brought in Scrappy Doo. Okay, just to make sure. <laughs> well, on top of that, I absolutely love how the show captures the incompetence of the attempt at coolness from a bunch of middle-aged executives. Like, if you want people who are going to be able to tap into the hipness that's going to appeal to the youth of today, ask like a cigar-chomping uh, head of an animation studio and Krusty uh, the Clown. Like, they know cool. <laughs> Rostify. No, no. Every, everyone knows. Everyone knows. The only cool middle-aged person is the Rock. I mean, if you're not the Rock, don't bother trying to be cool. I don't. They should have learned that back in the he's, '90s. He's not that cool. <laughs> he's really cool. And he's you not. Just don't know it, Matt. I'm. I'm a wrestling fan. I follow wrestling very closely, and therefore the Rock relatively closely. He's. Uh, he also you get the siphoned. Good rock. You get the wrestling one. He he siphoned a lot of coolness based on sunglasses. So there's something there. I That's guess, true. Th- but that was the '90s. He doesn't wear sunglasses anymore. He has a different image. I mean, he has adjusted. I'll give him that. He has good. He has very good people that tell him exactly how to act uh, at all times. Uh, we get Roy, uh, so we can. This will be the last episode of the Simpson Show uh, because Roy is very. <laughs> we don't need. We don't need to go any further. This is the pinnacle. We have clearly reached it. Uh, it will all all downhill from here. It is all downhill uh, from here. Uh, Roy is obviously like. Poochie shows up, Roy shows up. Like it is clearly, hey, we they they just want to make very clear, hey, the parallels of Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie are we're directly applying them to our own show. They want to make that explicitly <laughs> clear. And uh I mean, I, I I think the the lack of subtlety is actually a, a a good thing in this case. I don't necessarily need them to be this is not a subtle topic, really. It is a pretty a pretty glaring thing that has happened to many shows and something that they they talk about when they were, when uh, Oakley and Weinstein were talking, talking about this, their seasons, they're like, yeah, we thought the show was going to be ending soon. So we just kind of did whatever. Uh, and this is, I think one of those episodes where they purposely are like, yeah, we're going to talk about our own obsolescence. And then it just went on and on. <laughs> <laughs> But there is some subtlety to Roy, because what I appreciate about him is they never explain why he's there. He just mysteriously shows up and everybody takes his presence for granted, which I think sells the sense in which he's just been shoehorned into the show without ceremony or uh, any reason to be there perfectly in a way that like, oh, yeah, and our cousin Roy is coming to stay with us for a few weeks. Yeah. I mean, like, it's not. funny because... It's the exact opposite of Poochie. Poochie gets brought in with huge fanfare, and Roy's just there. <laughs> Roy's always lived with the Simpsons. He always will live with the Simpsons. He's always been there. He's they, in... they went, they're back and CGI'd him into the old episodes. <laughs> oh, God. We've always been at war with Eurasia. <laughs> There's always been a Roy. <laughs> there will always be a Roy. Oh, okay. Now watch this ad for a brand that didn't exist when the show originally aired. <laughs> okay, good. Um... Homer, uh, they they find out the family finds out there's auditions for Poochie's voice, 
Uh, and the, the family encourages Homer to audition because he has a strange voice. I pulled this clip mainly because it echoes my own life experience. Hey, Lise, look, they're adding a new character to Itchy and Scratchy. Poochie the dog. Adding a new character is often a desperate attempt to boost low ratings. Yo, yo, how's it hanging, everybody? Morning, Roy. Yeah, hi, Roy. Hey, they're having open casting for the voice of Poochie. You should try out, Dad. You have a funny voice. I do not. Haven't you ever listened to yourself on a tape recorder? I prefer to listen to Cheap Trick. Well, here, say something. Hey, this is Homer Simpson saying howdy to all the girls out there in Radio Land. I don't sound like that, do I? Oh, I don't like having such a hilarious voice. I that just when you podcast for the first time and you have to listen to yourself talk a lot when you're editing that podcast, it is a very it it it's worn off by now. I know what my own voice sounds like, but at first it feels very strange to listen to yourself talk a lot. It's very weird, and I understand Homer's. It, it hurts. It, I understand Homer Homer's attitude. Uh, very well. Well, don't we all have hilarious voices, Robbie? That's why we're podcasting. Um, I don't really. I don't think my voice is hilarious. I think it's relatively average. No, no, it's definitely hilarious. Okay, well, I mean, I'm glad I entertained then. Uh, they were uh, we Homer auditions along with Otto, Troy McClure. Um, do we see anyone else? I think that's always we see a lot of people in line, but we don't actually see them audition. No, no, it's just Otto, Troy McClure, and Homer. Yeah, uh, but uh, Roger Myers loves Otto, loves Troy McClure immediately. They, uh, but then Homer auditions and he thinks Homer's terrible. Homer uh, gets angry and then suddenly transforms into the perfect Poochie. All it re- all it requires is a little bit of uh, you know anger and frustration in Homer's voice, and suddenly uh, he has the attitude that Poochie needs. Um, but. Homer gets the job. It's an attitude of sarcasm, apparently. It's one of the weird things rewatching this is Homer just sort of does a sarcastic uh, argument with Roger Myers, and that doesn't end up being anything that Poochie is really like. But I mean, I think that, that... no. Go ahead, Matt. Sarcasm was a substitute for personality in the late nineties. That's how you know people were cool. I was gonna say, I I think it's true for me. I think it still is a. I mean. I think sarcasm still is used for a lot of people to substitute for personality, but cynicism too. Well, I'm still. You have to fight that. It's a. It's a hard. That's a tough battle. Uh, I don't. I think that Homer, like the fact that Roger Myers is just willing to accept anyone, and he and he himself is like I don't like he doesn't even know necessarily what he thinks Poochie sounds like because he first is like Otto is perfect, and then Troy McClure is perfect, and they are completely different voices. Uh, Troy McClure is a trained actor and is very like perfect diction. Otto is a stoner that is like that, that like drones out every word like Cheech and Chong and they are both perfect for the role. Uh, Homer shows up. Yeah, you're great too. As soon as you have a little bit of attitude in your voice, which isn't really that different anyway. And I, you know, it's just another way to illustrate, you know, that the, this creation of Poochie is like so aimless and purposeless it doesn't matter who plays Poochie. It could be anyone, really. He doesn't have... There's no driving force behind his creation aside from we want a new character. Like, it's just... It's it's soulless and purposeless, uh, which is Well, to be bad fair, in he, he's a cartoon character... <laughs> well, he's a cartoon character whose whole point is to either kill or be killed. So I feel like there's not really a concern for... 
the actual dramatic action. Also, I mean, is that his purpose, though, Matt? In his one appearance, he does neither of those things. Well, I mean, Roger Myers Jr. was about, oh, he goes uh, mouse, cat, dog. So I assume at some point he was supposed to also be killing somebody or protecting. I mean, it's like the old uh, Tom and Jerry cartoons where they always had the bulldog to uh, also punish the cat. So I feel like that's where they were trying to go with this. And then they got sidetracked by idiocy. As one so often does. It's a, it, again, along sure. with cynicism, the other other uh, sin of life is getting sidetracked <laughs> by idiocy. Especially being a network executive. Yes, exactly. Um, but I uh, found the title for my podcast. Okay. Excellent. That's a good, that's, I mean, it'll stand out. Get some SEO potential there. Uh, but that's the, we go to commercial with Homer getting the job. And- and Homer gets the job, and when we come back, he's already recording, and it's uh, it's a fun experience for everyone involved. Okay, Homer, let's get a level check on your voice. Sheet smells, sheet smells by the sheet store. Wait, wait, let me try it again. Relax, Homer, you'll do fine. I'm June Bellamy. I do the voices of Itchy and Scratchy. You? But you're a lady. She's a lady, all right. A beautiful lady. Uh, hey, it really is you. How'd you get to be so good? Oh, just experience, I suppose. I started out as Roadrunner. Meep. You mean meep, meep? No, they only paid me to say it once. Then they doubled it up on the soundtrack. Cheap bastards. You folks ready to begin? Uh, I guess. Is this episode going on the air live? No, Homer. Very few cartoons are broadcast live. It's a terrible strain on the animator's wrist. I know. What kind of crazy <laughs> show would be broadcast live? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's such the snappy answers to stupid question response from June Bellamy is one of my all time favorite exchanges on the show. Just her line delivery and the matter of fact way she reassures Homer is brilliant. Uh, yeah, and she is. Uh, I guessing that. Everyone says, and I, it seems fairly clear, uh, she is a reference to a, a voice actress named June Foray, or I don't know, mm-hmm. Foray or Foray, uh, who most famously did the voices of uh, uh, Rocky for Rocky and Bullwinkle. Uh, oh, Rocky and Squirrel. Squirrel? Yes, exactly. And did the voice of Natasha as well in uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle. So, and and, and uh, many, many other voices. Uh, I think she was also Granny in the Looney Tunes uh, cartoons. Along, and she was in many, 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 many other shows. Um, but she actually appeared uh, in The Simpsons once upon a time. In the very wow. first season on In Some Enchanted Evening, she was uh, the receptionist for the ruggy, the ru- rubber, bu- rugger, bubby, rubber buggy, bu- baby bumper, the, bi- the babysitting service. Yes, <laughs> we, we, we got that. Thanks, Robbie. <laughs> You're welcome. Like I said. We knew you'd get out of it eventually. I, you just got to give me a little bit of time. I'll be fine. Uh, but uh, also the other note uh, is the uh, the meep meep. This is a real life note. I just I found this while I was recording. And I thought it was very interesting. The original meep meep was just a, like a horn that they they recorded, hmm. but then they lost that very specific horn, <laughs> so they just had Mel Blank do it. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Yes, but I, I I thought that was a very interesting factoid. It's also old cartoons from the past. <laughs> it's also a good place to mention that Tress McNeil is really great in this episode, both as Lindsay Nagel and June Bellamy. Like she captures the bland corporatism of Lindsay Nagel, but there's also a sort of weathered uh, jadedness, like seen it all quality to June Bellamy that 
makes it meaningful when she has her turn at the end of the episode. Yeah, it's it's yeah, she, she does, does a fantastic job. Yeah, I I mean I like Lindsay Nagel uh, becomes a basically uh, the stand-in for all corporations uh, in the show, but at this point we haven't really seen that much of her. She hasn't even named yet. Um, but, it's her first appearance, I think. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, but also June Bellamy is a it it she sells both roles equally well. I mean, and honestly, I think all the performances is really good. Even I think Dan Castellaneta does a tremendous job at both uh, at Homer and his role as Poochie, which is a weird Poochie is a strange thing. And I, I think Dan, Dan Castellaneta does just the, like it's a weird tone to strike when you're doing a voice inside of, of inside of your voice. Like he's doing a voiceover inside of his inside of an animated show already. <laughs> it's like a weird layer of performance that he adds on to it. And I like that a lot. Man. All right, then. Uh, but the, for Poochie, there is already a huge marketing push, uh, which is not really the kind of thing you really want to do with this because they definitely oversaturate. They even have uh, – they give a Pooh a, a cardboard cutout that he can write things, and uh, Poochie is selling Brillo pads for $0.98, cents, which uh, yeah, that, that seems a little expensive for back then, but I guess it was the quickie mark. Matt, Matt, you said the word oversaturate? How does that happen? How do you do that? I, is there that, – that can't – that's not a thing. You can no no you, you, you can't can... you can't show a concept to people over and over again until they just roll their eyes at the mere mention of what you're trying to sell. You absolutely can't do that because people will just love it the more you show it to them. I was gonna say like there's no finite limit to people's attention span or uh, or interest in a thing. Like the more you show it to them, the more they like it. It's hundred percent universal. Yep. Yep. That's that's definitely how that works. Mm-hmm. Science. Uh, but. Science, yep. But in the midst of this giant marketing push, we also have uh, Homer and June doing uh, basically PR uh, before the show has even come out. Uh, Homer is apparently already famous uh, as the voice of Poochie. Uh, so they get a whole bunch of people to the local nerd store, uh, a.k.a. the Android's Dungeon, and it does not go well. Hi, question from Miss Bellamy. In episode 2009, when Ichi plays Scratchy's skeleton like a xylophone, he strikes the same rib twice in succession, yet he produces two clearly different tones. I mean, what are we, to believe that this is some sort of uh, <laughs> a magic xylophone or something? Boy, I really hope somebody got fired for that blunder. Uh, well, uh... I'll field this one. Let me ask you a question. Why would a man whose shirt says genius at work spend all of his time watching a children's cartoon show? I withdraw my question. Now, uh, excuse me, uh, Mr. Simpson. Uh, on the itchy and scratchy CD-ROM, is there a way to get out of the dungeon without using the wizard key? What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> also, one of the best lines from this entire <laughs> episode. Uh, <laughs> why would you ask a voice actor about a video game? I don't get... Uh, Matt, just... Matt... I... I'm, nerds. I mean, nerds are the worst. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I mean, I generally agree with that sentiment, honestly. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know how many, like, I know, I don't know how many, I know you have gone to panels at conventions um, for many topics. The part at the end of every panel I've ever gone to where they open the, the Florida questions is death almost every time <laughs> because people, the worst. people are. T- bad they're bad at they're bad at good like they ask like i've been at panels where people who are some of the most talented creators or or people just in general in their field and they get asked the most tedious uh banal questions and it's 
like I, I that's like another point where I come back and watch this and I used to like kind of resent the poking fun at the nerds but it's not wrong it's not mis- it's not true i just i think <laughs> the the problem I, I guess there's just it's it's my exposure to that over the years which has made me a little bit i don't know cold to uh the, the these but uh, it also makes me like i still have sympathy there because a lot of the people who are these are the biggest fans of this thing. Like that's, and I think that's the, what you see with the people who are on the news group at the time is like, yeah, they were super obsessed and probably too obsessed with the show. And that is me person who hosts a podcast about it saying that, but I, I, they are still big fans and they still, they do it a lot of the time, probably because out of it, like a misplaced love, like they just don't know how to necessarily, I'll channel it correctly. Uh, and I hesitate to like, I don't know. Poking, poking the beehive is not the solution, I think, but I think it is a part of this story and it kind of needs to be because I think it is an intrinsic part of creation of creation of art. Like the Simpsons, when you create a show, you're going to get criticism. Fair or not. It's the nature of the, it's the nature of the beast. It's true. When anything is loved by a large amount of people, you're going to get lots of criticism, and those a lot of that criticism is going to be crazy. Let's not let's not lie, but that's just that's how things go when you create something. You, uh, a lot of people don't get happy until they're tearing somebody else's uh, work down. So, and, and by yeah. the same token, I don't think this jab is particularly uh, shouldn't get anybody incensed because they're making fun of pointless nitpicking that doesn't change anything and misguided fans asking questions about something the the people they're talking to would have no idea about. I think the comic book guy bit that we come up to later has a little bit more of a, like actually taking aim at the the diehard fans of the show. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's fair game to say like, yeah, if you're worried about striking the same uh, rib bone as a xylophone or asking them about minutia from the itchy and scratchy video game, that that, it's fair game on which to to take the sillier section of the fandom to task. Yeah, and apparently I, I was there was also uh, a post about various other news groups at the time, and apparently if you went to the Monty Python news group, there was a lot of chatter about just a, Pony, a Monty Python video game, um, and not. The, I mean, the show ended well before this time period, so I guess that makes sense. It, you. you uh, once once they're done with the Q&A, comic book guy calls it to a swift end and then says that everyone can get one signed 8x10 of Poochie uh, by Homer, except for comic book guy who goes straight to the front of the line and gets four because he is a special snowflake. Let's move on to the, the premiere of Poochie where everyone's super excited and the Simpsons host a party. Do we have to? Everyone's... Everyone is super <laughs> excited. Oh, oh, don't you worry. I captured the entire thing that you now have to listen to. Oh, good. Excellent. <laughs> So strap in, folks. It's two and a half minutes of pure entertainment. Once in a great while, we are privileged to experience a television event so extraordinary it becomes part of our shared heritage. 1969, man walks on the moon. 1971, man walks on the moon again. Then for a long time, nothing happened until tonight. Behold the future of comedy. Poochie! 
friend, Poochie. What's that name again? I forgot. The name's Poochie D, and I rock the telly. I'm half Joe Camel and a third Fonzarelli. I'm the Kung Fu hippie from Gangsta City. I'm a rapping surfer, you the fool, Blapity. Oh, Poochie is one outrageous dude. He's totally in my face. Wiggity, wiggity, word up. Rock on, Birdie. When are they going to get to the fireworks factory? <laughs> Can somebody tell me what the hell is going on? Mitch, help me out here. Quiet. You're missing the jokes. Catch on the flip side, dude masters. Not! Hey, kids, always recycle. To the extreme! Busted! That stunk. Well, what did everybody think? Homer, I can honestly say that was the best episode of MP and Chippy I've ever seen. Yeah, you should be very proud, Homer. You uh, got a beautiful home here. So it was pretty okay, huh? Mom, can we go to bed without dinner? Yes, we can. Well, at least I liked it, didn't I? Oh, you don't want to know what I really think. Now look sad and say do. <laughs> and yes, uh, so as you just heard, the, the premiere did not go very well. Even Homer himself did not enjoy it. Well, he doesn't want to think about it. It's best just to look sad and say do. Exactly. If you're wiggity, ever sad, wiggity, but... word up. Rock on, party. <laughs> yeah. The, oh, man. it's They did a really good job in making that really terrible. Like, I, I, I applaud that there is really nothing re- redeeming at all about Poochie's appearance <laughs> in Nietzsche and Scratchy. Uh, in Millhouse's fainted, uh, no, faint, plaintive plea <laughs> to, to make it to the firehouse <laughs> factory. We're still waiting, Millhouse. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's authentically terrible. Like it is the perfect mishmash of what Lindsay Nagel and Roger Myers would imagine cool to be stitched together into this Frankenstein's monster of a pooch. Poochie is. I mean, it makes me. I just. I. You immediately empathize with everyone. You're just like, yep. That's it's. You're never. You're not. You're. I don't know. Homer is honestly. He's the underdog in this story literally because literally. literally because he is trying to salvage something from this utter disaster that it's not just like the people in Springfield think it's bad it's evident to everyone watching that it is bad it is a disaster of 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 art it's an art disaster it's a disaster piece it's terrible <laughs> it is the worst well, it, it doesn't and, please new fans. It doesn't please old fans. It, yeah, it uh, it certainly looks a little more familiar than I would like. <laughs> what are you trying to say, Matt? I'm trying to say it's uh, you know a little uh, a little too familiar with uh, current seasons of The Simpsons. What do you? Uh, the last one was in, was pretty good. I like the last episode we just watched. It's pretty good. That's episode. true. I think there's good ones still. Mm-hmm. Say, say what you will about first the quality. With... Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, you go ahead. Say what you will about the quality of modern day Simpsons, but at the very least, they are not desperately attempting to appear cool in the way that Poochie is. 
Like, if, there's different definitely... flavors of terribleness. Um, what happens, Matt, after that? Well, after that, we go to a commercial. Oh, okay. Uh, when we come back, uh, we get to the, uh, the, the the bit, I think, that is that Andrew mentioned earlier about uh, the, the, the poking fun at, at comic book guy in particular. I'm the worst poochie ever. No, it's not your fault, Dad. You did fine. It's just that Poochie was a soulless byproduct of committee thinking. You can't be cool just by spouting a bunch of worn-out buzzwords. I don't have a cow, Lise. Bart's right. Let's none of us have a cow. All that matters is that the fans of the show liked it. Last night's It Seen Scratchy was, without a doubt, the worst episode ever. Rest assured that I was on the internet within minutes, registering my disgust throughout the world. Hey, I know it wasn't great, but what right do you have to complain? As a loyal viewer, I feel they owe me. What? They're giving you thousands of hours of entertainment for free. What could they possibly owe you? I mean, if anything, you owe them. Worst episode ever. <laughs> yep, that sounds about right. Uh, yeah, I don't... One, I, I, I think you mentioned this earlier, Andrew. Like, this is probably the... Most egregious example of poking, make I don't know, entitled fans. Yes, this yeah. is the point at which they say to those people posting on the news groups, "We are not pleased with what you were doing, and we think you're full of crap." Yeah, it's I don't know, it's it's disingenuous to say, "Oh, you're getting this for free," when no, you're it, it's free. Yes, you're not necessarily paying money to watch The Simpsons. However, you are watching advertisements, especially in 1997. No one was no one was DVRing uh, The Simpsons and skipping commercials. People were recording on VHS, but it was a lot harder to skip commercials on on a VCR than it was uh, on. It's certainly not as easy as it is on a DVR. But no, whenever something is free, you are the product. You are the thing that's being sold, and that's you're you're getting. They were getting marketed to. I mean, like, and that's a thing that. I don't I mean we are I think in 2017 as more and more people stop watching television and more people have ad blockers on their browsers on their on their on everything they look at the internet with to get away from all the insidious advertising and people are realizing like how bad it is and how much time it takes away from you that in 1997 you watch The Simpsons, you weren't doing it for free. You were watching advertising. You were being marketed to, and that was where they got the value from. And I don't know. It's not I, – I, I find that a, a spurious argument. And if – I would find this case more interesting if you would delve deeper into the why that comic book guy feels so – like that is a thing that I find very interesting in fandom in like, yes, there's often huge critics of some of a thing they actually love a lot, which ostensibly comic book guy would be of itchy and scratchy uh, to like to be so engaged with the product that he would go on a news group and post about it, the internet and say it's bad. But I, it's more interesting to me to engage with that and say, why do you engage in that behavior? Why do you go in there? Do you do it for attention? Do you do it because you are generally disappointed and upset with a thing that you've spent so much time on? Like when Bart says they've given you thousands of hours of stuff, well, comic book guy in return in the Simpsons fans, I'm a, I am a fan who has engaged with the Simpsons and I have spent thousands of hours engaging with this foe and, and all both of you the same way. And a lot of, I'm, I'm, I'm sure most of the people listening to this have spent thousands of hours of their lives watching the Simpsons and talking about it with their friends and quoting it and constantly making a part of their lives. And when you just dismiss that 
right off the bat with, oh, well, they gave it to you for free. You can't complain. I, that, I, that is the, that's when it becomes problematic to me. And I'm, I'm really of two minds about it. On the one hand, I think there is a 5% of the Simpsons fandom that is very loud and impossible to please. And I think that is a good deal of what the people behind the scenes see and who they were thinking about when they were writing this exchange between Bart and Comic Book Guy. And it is very justified. And you know this from reading through the news group, that there are people who are living through the greatest era of what I would consider the greatest television show of all time and could do nothing but find fault with it. And it's certainly understandable to me that the folks behind the show would have some frustration at that and even blow off that steam in the show itself. The other side of the coin is that they are, in some ways, and I don't think it's limited just to here, dismissive of the idea of investment in the show. There are people who really care about it, and it means a great deal to them. And that can certainly bring criticism, but more than anything, brings them to feel a connection to the show and, and have it be an important thing to them. And I think that's you know, clearly talking about the, the three of us, and so it makes sense that we might take some umbrage to that. But I think it's, it's frustrating on both sides that you can completely understand why the people who are making The Simpsons at the time would feel like they're putting out this great work that they work really hard on, and you have the uh, alt.tv.simpsons crew tearing it apart for minor and sometimes specious reasons. But... You also have fans who really care about the show and may have legitimate criticisms for it who are essentially being dismissed and painted with the same brush by uh, Bart and by extension the creators of the show for having any beef with the show at all and not just taking it as a gift that they shouldn't complain about in the slightest. Well, I, I mean I mentioned this earlier and it, it, this – watching this is – this is one of the things that has come up – come up in my mind as I'm rewatching it since the first time since I've started the podcast is th this it, it, it when you create like you they create the Simpsons they put it out in the world you cannot you're not immune to criticism it doesn't matter how great you think I mean and I'm am among the people I agree with you this it, the Simpsons seasons one through eight or two through eight I guess is the is the best the peak of television. It has not been better. It, it was not better before, and it has not been bet better since. There's nothing that rivals the the run of quality for so long with almost like with almost nothing that is below good. Like w we talk about when we rank episodes, like even the bad quote episodes of the of the great years, the classic years, are. We go, oh, it's 75th, and we're like, that's not good. But then you're like, oh, well, look at the 74 episodes above it. They're all amazing. So you, it, it, it doesn't. I, despite that fact, I, it, and this is, it gets much worse uh, in the teens. The picking on fans things. I can think of multiple episodes that, like, comic as comic book guy's role grows in the show, and he that becomes all he is for a while. He becomes their stand-in for the begrudged fan. That five percent you mentioned, uh, it, their criticism and bitterness gets worse, and it really is ugly. Oftentimes, I think this is relatively fair. I, I mean, but it's hard not to watch this episode and not. I know I'm not comic book guy. I know that I don't. I don't like if I'm going to criticize The Simpsons. I generally think that I have relatively at least like I can 
I can't, it can always be for a reason. It doesn't have to necessarily just be like, oh, well, it, and to be fair, it's that Poochie episode was, was the worst episode ever. I'm not like, it really was. <laughs> it really was the worst episode ever. I don't, he's not off base. Uh, I think that's the, it's, it's just to engage with that kind of, uh, discussion at all about fandom and about, uh, the res- criticism and response in, in general discourse about in pop culture, like it's a much bigger deal now because of the internet and how much bigger mm-hmm. it is. And because of like podcasts, like the one we do of where there's like twin peaks premiered on Sunday and there are literally 50 twin peaks podcasts on, uh, on iTunes already. And like that kind of immediate dissection of pop culture started th- at here it started with in the on the internet with the simpsons with the x-files with star trek with all these shows that were running at the time and to in and i think we are a little bit more i don't know a little bit more well informed about that kind of fandom and how well it actually does how important it is to this the life of these shows that don't necessarily you know there's so many more of them now it's harder for them to survive. And that kind of hardcore fandom is the thing that feeds that success. So I think artists are, when it's something like this happens, when an, uh, when an actor or a writer just like goes on Twitter and complains about fans, he immediately, they, they immediately are roasted for it and often rightfully so. But I don't know in 1997, it probably didn't mean as much, but it does feel like I, I don't want to necessarily engage in that kind of, uh, in, in, in that conversation about toxic fandom, unless you're going to dive deep into it. And this is just kind of the only, like, this is the really one barb that actually stands out in this episode. Because most of the episode is really not about it. I talked for a bit there. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I, I had to uh, wake up again and have, have, well, have some you're allowed to, you're, caffeine. You're allowed to, re- you're, you're, I can't help the fact that you're not taking the right drugs today, Matt. I'm never taking the right drugs. Apparently, you are. <laughs> it, it's what keeps me alive. That's true. By the way, the the accumulated caffeine headache would kill you. Nah, I've I've broken myself off of it before. I've been okay. I don't. I need... take my focus in every day. Exactly. Yeah. I could quit any time. Absolutely. Um, what was happening? All right, The Simpsons. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but. Um, Immediately, this is that one episode was bad enough that you know Krusty uh, is freaking out. Uh, the, the 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 corporate the corporate uh, uh, group of of my Roger Myers and Lindsay Nagel and Krusty to a certain extent uh, basically want to kill off Poochie right away. Uh, Homer uh, comes in. He's and he has some suggestions to improve the show. I've been doing some thinking and I got some ideas to improve the show. I got it right here. Uh, one, Hoochie needs to be louder, angrier, and have access to a time machine. Two, whenever Poochie's not on screen, all the other characters should be asking, where's Poochie? Three. Great, great. Just leave them right there on the floor on your way out. Uh, so where's Poochie? That's a good place for suggestions, <laughs> you know? Yes. I love that Homer's ideas for improving Poochie are to just steal from other cartoon dogs. I mean, that is how you... That is how you make good art, right? You just you take from other things. You steal directly. Well, if we don't steal our ideas, where are they supposed to come from? I know. Exactly. Am I supposed to come up with this stuff on myself? That's craziness. Uh, 
Homer overhears. He sneaks into a broom closet, I guess through a back door or something, and uh, overhears that they're trying to kill Poochie. Uh, uh, and he reveals this uh, to the family at uh, dinner. And they said they were going to kill Poochie off. Really? Oh, how terrible. Yes, terrible. It's not your fault, Homer. It's those lousy writers. They make me madder than a um, yak in heat. You're right, Marge. It's not my fault. I'm not going to let him treat Poochie like dirt anymore just because he's the new guy. Right on, Mr. S. Put a sock in it, Roy. <laughs> yeah, you tell him, Roy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just, I, I, this, Homer doesn't really understand why people don't like Poochie, I think. I'm not, I don't, I don't think Homer completely understands why people don't see something in Poochie. I think there's a sense in which, uh, I think there's a sense in which Homer just doesn't understand that art works any differently than like, hey, I liked making this and was happy to make it. And so people should like it. And if they don't like it, they must have some unfair, they're, they're being unfair to what I made. It's a very true to Homer. It's a very childlike perspective on it. They're like, you know, I, I liked making this and I'm proud of it. So other people should be too. Yeah, it's it's a very innocent kind of uh, take on 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 the creation of art, which I mean, I think is probably with everything else in this episode being like so cynical. With even like like every every person involved in Itchy and Scratchy is in it for like weird, like, you know, Krusty just wants ratings. Roger Myers just wants money. Lindsay Nagel money as well. The writers themselves, like they're pretentious and you don't know necessarily like, are they, they're writing itchy and scratchy. Well, it is their job. They are getting paid and they have these high in like philosophical ideas about what itchy and scratchy is when itchy and scratchy is just a show about ultra, ultra cartoon violence. And Homer, even June, like the other voice actor, is kind of you know she's been around. She's been around the block a, while, a long time. She's worked in the field. She's been shafted by uh, by uh, other uh, companies. Warner when, Brothers, yeah, by Warner Brothers, and she's a little cynical and better. Homer is innocent and naive, uh, and 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 him he just wants the thing he made to for people to like it and he he's making it because he it's fun he doesn't even ask to be paid which seems like quite the oversight with homer <laughs> i would i would think so but i mean learn. yeah and i think that's another like that's probably another minor nitpicky character thing like homer does generally have pretty high concerns about money um but, he, but that's the saving grace for homer's role in this i, I think is that for all that this episode team seems to take the stuffing out of the people on the business side, the people making the show, the fans of the show, the one bit of empathy that it uh, holds in reserve, it holds in reserve for the people who really care about these characters and enjoy them earnestly and want the best for them earnestly. And as much as David X. Cohen and Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein seem to have ire for a lot of people involved in the television process. They do seem to have at least some affection for the folks like Homer who, innocent or not, just care about these things. I think it's what saves the the episode from feeling like too much cynicism. Yeah, and I mean that's – to Simpsons in general is a lot of times it is saved by the earnestness – of the family, like of the emotional arcs and Homer in is we, I, after watching this season uh, finale of season 28, Homer is like a dog, you know, he's, he's 
loyal and uh, and and happy, and you like him immediately. You don't. It's there's no. It he's it's just a, that natural magnetism uh, to uh, someone who's kind of pure at heart. You know, there's you you can't get you can't stay upset too upset at Homer, and even mm-hmm. if, even despite the fact that Poochie is a terrible terrible character that everyone should hate. Uh, I still am pulling for Homer despite uh, all that because of his natural charm and that the, the, the kind of character Homer is when they are, they're, they're planning to kill Poochie uh, and uh, they are recording, I guess will be his final lines where he just happily accepts death by rusty chainsaw. <laughs> Uh, rustier. Yes, we need. It needs to be rustier, as rusty as possible. Uh, Homer kind of stages a mutiny here, and uh, will not perform unless he gets to record his his rewritten version of of the episode. You can't just kill off a classic TV character. Poochie could be bigger than Curly Fries. But first, he has to win back the audience. That's why I'm going to read these lines I wrote myself with my own two hands. Forget it, Homer. We can do this show without you if we have to. But not without me. Mm, Jeez. Let him try the new lines. All right. All right. We'll try it. Action. Hi, Poochie. You look like you've got something to say. Do you? Yes, I certainly do. Hello there, Richie. I know there's a lot of people who don't like me and wish I would go away. And I think we got off on the wrong foot. I know I can come off a little proactive, and for that I'm sorry. But if everyone could find a place in their hearts for the little dog nobody wanted, I know we can make them laugh and cry until we grow old together. And God. Cue applause. Everyone's very touched by Homer's earnest plea. Uh, I don't. I still disagree that Poochie could catch on like curly fl- curly fries. Well, Homer, satisfied by his earnest uh, plea, thinks that he's maybe placated uh, everyone. Uh, they uh, sit down. He sits down with the family to watch uh, the the newest episode of Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie. Yes, I certainly do. I have to go now. My planet needs me. Wow, Poochie came from another planet? Uh, I guess. Hey, that wasn't supposed to happen. Those Sphinx double-crossed me. Poochie's dead! (laughs) Now, kids, we all know that sometimes when cartoon characters die, they're back again the very next week. That's why I'm presenting this sworn affidavit that Poochie will never, ever, ever return. This document conforms to all applicable laws and statutes. Yay! Yay! Just wanted to make 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 sure the lawyer appeared. Uh, the yeah, Poochie Poochie returns to his home planet. He he never returns. Thankfully, I have to go now. My planet to, needs me. I have to go now. I got another one of the many. Very quotable uh, lines from this episode in particular. <laughs> there is one... I have to... Go ahead. I have to say, one of the great greatest things about this episode is how many lines from it are so useful in talking about television and movies and fandom and everything related to art. Like That is such a perfect encapsulation of characters being hastily written out of shows and haphazardly 
cast aside because the fans reject them entirely. It it goes along with so much here that it is part of why the show is still this episode is still so relevant today. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, like it is honestly, it is still kind of I don't know one of the smartest portrayals of a show kind of acknowledging it's their own expiration date. You know, mm-hmm. that very few long running shows ever have gone. Oh yeah. We, you're right. This is getting kind of like very few shows are bold enough to even acknowledge that fact. It's usually just like, here's I mean, especially shows model that in the, the, in the vein of the Simpsons where it's, you know, ostensibly a family sitcom. There's, they don't, <laughs> Like you look at the latter day of like home improvement or family matters when they were they're almost unrecognizable compared to the 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 classic years of those shows, the most successful years, and even modern day sitcoms the same way. I mean, like casts and and the casts often change so much, and you're like, what am I watching? If you go back to the early, they're so different, and they don't ever acknowledge it. And the and the Simpsons in particular did quite openly in this episode and it was like clearly like hey we every show like this has an expiration date it's it's just it just the simpsons decided we're gonna keep going we don't just gonna keep keep going past it for two decades i guess they'll never well, stop the simpsons. there are ways to fresh it up they have tried to, i mean it's i'm not saying that it's all bad there's plenty of good episodes after season 10 it's just there, it's just it can't it can't rival uh in qu- in quality the the golden years I don't think anyone argues that it's it's really more of a density thing like there are probably a quarter of every season has some really good episodes but it, like you said it can't rival the, the golden years when you know it was like 80 90 percent of every episode was amazing I agree with that that's about the right proportion uh, we get uh the, the them acknowledge uh <laughs> Uh, what uh, a weird thing Roy is, and maybe they'll see him in a few years. I guess people just weren't ready for Poochie. M- maybe in a few years. Good news, everybody. I'm moving into my own apartment with two sexy ladies. Hmm, then I guess this is goodbye, Roy. Maybe we'll see you in a few years. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I've ever caught that before. The fact that Bart... Oh yeah, Poochie will be back maybe in a few years, and then Roy they do they say tell him the exact same thing, literally <laughs> less than ten seconds apart. I don't think I've ever caught that before, which is a nice, nice, nice little peek into like hey, it's but, just parallelism. Yeah, here's yeah, come on, here's what Roy is. Uh, but then uh, Bart and Lisa excitedly sit down to watch the 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 back to the classic version of Itchy and Scratchy. It's back to the basics. Classic, itchy and scratchy. We should thank our lucky stars. They're still putting on a program of this caliber after so many years. What else is on? You remember Static? Remember that when that happened? <laughs> uh, it's been so long. Yeah, nostalgic for Static. That's where we're at. Gonna have a YouTube channel. Uh, I call it nostalgia. <laughs> I'm nostalgic for modem noises. There's a uh, you can buy a a, a a basically a synthesizer that can that replicates modem noises. So oh, you can just I play. might may finally be able to sleep. Yeah, you just play those noises all night. 
Uh, and, <laughs> and then you get the, uh, the the modem noise hider from Artie Ziff. <laughs> Another very topical invention from uh, Mr. Ziff. Uh, and that's how the episode ends with Mar- with Bart and Lisa turning off the television. And it, 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 I can't help but feel like this is a harbinger for something that never happened. A harbinger? Harbin- Matt, saying words is hard. Harbinger? I know it. Harbinger. There you go. I can do it. Just give me some time. Come on. You got it. Teaching moments, Matt. You know, you don't get, you don't, mm-hmm. you don't win friends with salad. Just give him enough longevity. Yeah. Come on. There you go. Eventually. I don't, he'll it, do it. It feels very much like they saw an end that never came. It, it's true. Bart and Lisa changing the channel definitely feels like a prediction that the show was on the verge of running out of gas. And they weren't wrong necessarily. Like that's the weird thing about it is this episode feels very incorrect in how the folks behind it seem to very clearly predict that the show was going to end soon. And it obviously hasn't, but they also kind of foresaw the end of the classic era before it hit for reasons that were almost unavoidable. And you, you definitely get the feeling of that from Bart and Lisa just flipping and the screen becomes static. It almost feels like it could be a series finale if that's what they wanted to do. Yes, that would be perfect. I mean, I think we threw that idea around when, or someone threw that idea around when we were, uh, when we were talking about proposed endings for the show. I mean, I think that when, I mean, if those guys were working on the show and they were as close as anyone on seeing probably what was coming, they, they were the ones who were having to pitch ideas and trying to figure out what to make 24, 25 episodes out of. Uh, and you can, this, these seasons, I love them. They're my favorite, but they're my favorite because they are examining a lot of the issues that they build up for now six, seven, eight years of all those ideas that were kind of thrown out there and all the Simpsons were and their identity they established as being the best show on television. And, I imagine that they saw that and they were, I mean, they've openly said, we thought the show was going to end after we were done. Probably not last much longer. What show lasts longer than 10 seasons? Almost none of them. Almost none. Almost none. Supernatural made it. I, I, I don't know how that is a, that is a, every time yeah, I do. <laughs> or, or, uh, or bones. Everyone. So whenever it wore, uh, what was that one with, uh, Catherine Heigl? Um, the doctor show, uh, hospitals. Oh, Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy. Whenever someone, like, those three shows are always like, yeah, they're in season 13. I'm like, how? How does that happen? But that is what, like, it feels very much like they were like, well, we're making the show and we're kind of stretching ourselves to, like, very figurative limits about what the Simpsons can do without feeling tired. And they probably went, well, they won't just keep going. But, nah. They, they 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 did just keep keep going. Can't wait for season eleven. My favorite. Oh, but so much to look forward to. Yeah, I I I, I don't know. I've said this a couple times before. This episode is. I like this episode a lot more with this viewing. I I have I've enjoyed well yeah because it. now you have more of the background on it. Yes, I I, I guess the reading the news groups have certainly given me a little bit more. Um context also just watching everything in order and talking about it every single week it really you know you see where the show has been and where it has, what has gone through explicitly to get to this point and it really 
I don't know, it, it made me think about art in a way that watching it before has never done. And, and to the same end, it, what's really impressive is the way that it is still so relevant to the discussions around art and television and movies today. It, Despite the fact that the television industry has changed markedly in the 20 years since this episode has aired, the same issues about the fans, the same issues of trying to stretch a premise as far as it will go and wondering how much further it can, uh, the same issues of having to deal with corporate interference and marketing, if anything, the episode feels more relevant now than it did in 1997. Yes, it is It is aged incredibly well uh, because of the fact that the topics – all of these topics have only gotten more um, central to pop culture discussion in general. Like all three of us are currently engaging in, in stuff that makes all this more relevant. Like the fact that there's like news groups aren't like, I guess Reddit is a thing uh, that's really, there's still other news groups, but <laughs> mostly is, I imagine it's mostly Reddit uh, that are centered around discussion of pop culture along with thousands of podcasts so this episode just is, I don't know, it is also a harbinger of that, Matt. Yes, yes, absolutely. It is It is just like the, the search engine bing. It's a harbinger. <laughs> I can't escape, Robbie, our little walking library. <laughs> foilage. <laughs> Good old foilage. Foilage. References. Uh, <laughs> exactly. We will rank it at the end of the show. It's going higher than I thought it would. Right, Matt? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, no submissions for my favorite episode for this. I don't, I don't think I'm necessarily surprised. But uh, if you have an episode that is your favorite, simply submit it to simpsonshowpod at gmail.com explaining why a certain episode is your favorite. When we get to it, I'll read, I'll read it on air. Next up, speaking of the news group, it is time for comments from the news group. Okay, here we are. Alt.nerd.obsessive. Comments to the news group is why I will comb through the old alt.tv.simpsons news group, see what people were talking about a week or two after the episode debuted, what they thought of it. Most of the reviews were very positive. Well, yeah, the people at the news groups were half the stars of this episode. Yeah, I think that's a lot of it. I mean, and it is catered to their kind of nitpicky meta examinations of shows and stuff like that. Uh, there were obviously some sour reviews. Most of them were like, ah, they're mischaracterizing everyone and it's not about this. Show. And in particular, there was one person, one goon who's been there for basically the entire time who had been railing against the, had, had been very critical of latter day shows uh, and wrote, I, I can't really read it because it is over a thousand words long. It is an incredibly Jesus. long uh, post about how this sh – he was very upset. He was very angry and really – and went on a long digression about very many different things. And I, I don't know. I read the, I read it. I don't think anyone needs to read it. It isn't actually – I think he gets the wrong idea from a lot of it. But I don't necessarily think his heart is in the wrong place. I just think that he, that writing that many words about it and then – not it, he never goes to the I don't think he goes he doesn't make the argument I would make in that self-examination when you're creating art is always valuable he goes more like oh well you changed the show and it's not good anymore and you're just this is another proof of that I'm like well that's you're not helping your own case dude um obviously also this is the episode that coined worst episode ever which was quite prominent in the news group 
And uh, apparently uh, someone at the time searched other news groups for it. Uh, and it was quite prominent in alt.tv.simpsons, in alt.tv.xfiles, in alt.tv.seinfeld. However, the Star Trek news group, no, not much trace of it. So Trekkies were, were well-behaved. Weird. Eh. They're, they're a serene bunch. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, you know, it's, you get next generation, you have, you know, you have uh, Jean-Luc Picard leading, leading us into the great unknown of space. You don't need to complain about episode quality. That's true. And by yeah, nice, you're just... and I think the worst years of Star Trek Next Generation were the like the first season, so the the yeah. news group probably was didn't exist in. That's true. Was One it Star even Trek still on the beard. air by ninety seven? Uh, I think it was at the tail end of it. I wanna say it maybe. started in eighty seven and there were seven years, so, so no. no. Okay. Was when it uh been, didn't good good part of DS nine, I think. Yeah, probably Deep Space Nine was probably running right. Um, yeah, because these are not Two ninety three. Yeah, not yeah. Deep Space Nine was running ninety three to ninety nine. So yeah, they were in season five of of Deep Space Nine. Join us next week for our Star Trek podcast. No, I'm not doing that. Don't even, don't even. No, <laughs> I don't. I would watch. I I've discussed doing a, a single episode of Star Trek Next Generation for the serial fanaticist. I am not doing an entire show of any Star Trek. Oh, <laughs> there will be plenty of Star Trek podcasts as soon as that new Star Trek show comes up. There'll be plenty. Of uh of of uh material, uh but that's it. I think that's enough. Uh, it was a, it was a, it was actually honestly I was kind of refreshed by the the relatively good response. I was expecting a lot of venom. I did not find it. That's always nice. Uh, we can move on. Our next segment is time for the listener question of the week. Let's try one more number. <gasps> Yellow. KBBL is gonna give me something stupid. Well, hot dog. We have a wiener. Yellow. Our listener question of the week this week is what is your favorite song lyric from the show? Lots of great answers, as always. Love all of the response. Everyone's very enthusiastic. It always makes me happy. Uh, from Rob, because there's limits to our liberties. At least I hope and pray that there are, because those little freaks go too far. Amendment to be was very popular. Yeah. Uh, from Cody, didn't make the final cut, but baby on board, something, something, Burt Ward. <laughs> song writes itself. He did amend that as well to his, his uh, answer. Uh, from <laughs> Heather, uh, see this hat, twas my cat, my evening wear, vampire bat. Uh, actually, the entire song, see my vest, is my favorite song lyric. Uh, it is a pretty dang good song. Uh, from Joe, Max Power. He's the man whose name you'd love to touch, but you mustn't touch. <laughs> uh, from Upcar, the painfully underrated Mr. Plow Rap. Uh, boom, ch- I'm going to do my best. Uh, boom, cha boom, boom, she boom, boom. <laughs> I'm Mr. Plow. I'm here to say I'm the plowingest guy in the USA. I got a big plow, and I'll move a lot of things like a cow if you have one. <laughs> that is about the level of cool of Poochie. Yeah, exactly. I think it's yeah. on, it's on yeah. par. Uh, from Adam, to shut him down would be twisted. We just heard this place existed. Uh, also great. That's uh, I've had Simpsons songs in my head all week now because I've been reading these answers. Uh, Sean, uh, have no fear. We have stories for years. They do indeed. Uh, from Ben, Springfield, 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 New York, New York, New York, Sadaway, man. Uh, from Fat Matt at Fat Matt one. Uh, there's a hole in my heart as deep as a well for that poor little boy who's stuck halfway to hell. That's Sting, right? Sting sings those lyrics, right? Yes. 
Yes. I think so. Uh, uh, midnight, uh, midnight Philly, midnight on the third day. Uh, so we can march day and night by the big cooling tower. They have the plant. We have the power. Uh, sets the tone of last exit to Springfield perfectly. I agree. Uh, from John at John Win 51 I slugged some jerk in Tahoe. They gave me one to three. My high-priced lawyer sprung me on a technicality. It's good. <laughs> some good crusty-esque Johnny Cash uh, crossover there. Alice at Sarcasm and Toast. The ring came off my pudding can. Take my penknife, my good man. Uh, also named board at I Hear Ramona Sing. I hate every 8xC from Chimpan A to Chimpan C. Very popular answer. Uh, from Justin at JM, J. McGuire, MLB. There's a lot of flag burners who've got too much freedom. I want to make it legal for policemen to beat them. More, <laughs> more than meant to be. And finally from, uh, from Lodz, Lodz TBB. Why, Joseph? I had no idea. Come on now. You were working here. Uh, delivery from Dan C. is amazing. It truly is. And I think the songs really demonstrate the versatility of the cast in particular. Andrew, what is your answer? So I have to put in a shout out for a line from the streetcar musical, which is if you want to go to hell, you should take a trip to the Sodom and Gomorrah on the Mississippi. It's a nice amusing rhyme and it's some clever wordplay. A plus Matthew. Actually, I was very close to choosing the New Orleans song, uh, but I'm going to have to go with I Hate Every A-F-I-C from Chimpan A to Chimpan Z. It's so perfect. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you, Matt. We are we have the same answer. Once again, uh, <laughs> That the Planet of the Apes musical is is wonderful, and that is a brilliant, uh, brilliant songwriting there. Brilliant lyrics uh, that I can't deny the brilliance of them. Uh, next week's question, what is the worst one-off character? Poochie, maybe? Roy? I think Roy is... Is Roy showing up again? I think he was like a background character in one episode. I, I, I you know, speaking roles. You know, I, I don't... Background stuff I don't count as much. But there's a lot of... There's a lot of characters as the years go on that appear exactly one time. Often voiced by guest voices that aren't very good, in my very humble opinion. Guess not Does so Lady good. Gaga count as a character? I mean, yeah. I mean, she is. Lady Gaga is not that she that is not her name. She's she, that is not her it's real not? name. That's not her real name. I uh like I assume that's some sort of character she plays even when she is whenever she's on stage or performing. It may be just an exaggerated version of herself, but I I would say that most rock stars are portraying characters, pop stars as well. So, you're already giving me your answer Lady Gaga, Andrew, week in advance. It's it already in the oh, books. I'll have to consider it, but okay, but okay. she's a strong contender. <laughs> yeah, I think I have my answer already, actually, but it's not Lady Gaga. Uh, but we can move on to my favorite segment every week. It's really the best. It is time for the No Google Trivia Challenge. I am too smart. I am too smart. S-M-R-T. I mean S-M-A-R-R-T. The No Google Trivia Challenge is where I work. Matt and I challenge each other with three trivia questions. One easy, one medium, one hard. Try and stump the other. We have a wager for this season. Whoever loses must sing a song of the winner's choosing from the show and record it. Post it on, uh, we'll post it on the Simpsons show YouTube page so everyone can be embarrassed. I'm, I'm not doing so hot this season. You got this, Rob. You got this in the, in the can. All right, Matt, I got an easy question for you. You ready? Uh, these are all from one episode from season 20's the burns and the bees hmm. i definitely don't remember anything about this so uh, let's all right hope. i okay your easy question what owner of the dallas mavericks guest stars in this episode 
Dallas. Oh, um, it's um, oh, uh, Mark Cuban. You are correct. I was oh, gonna, okay. I was gonna. Like, now I remember this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's. I give you. I get you a point there, Matt. What's my easy question? All right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I forgot to. Sorry, I, I got it, but I didn't include the name of the episode, and I can't remember what it is right now. Oh, so excellent. Good Perfect. luck. <laughs> uh, great. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate that. You're uh-huh. so nice to me. I know. Uh, what sport does Marge avoid to escape injury, only to be injured in the hotel? <laughs> hold on, hold on. I'll look it up. Cause that's just mean. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I guess I could, I could guess sports. I know I know of many sports. I know. I mean, I know most of the Simpsons episodes have concerned themselves with sports. So I mean, like I can narrow it down to 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 to, to at least one they've had an episode about, and that one I can't readily okay, identify. Yes. It is it is Little Big Mom from season ten. Little or sorry, uh, season eleven. Oh, oh, my favorite season. Uh, yes, exactly. Little Big Mom. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Um, to avoid injury, hides in a hotel room, gets injured anyway. Little Big Mom. Uh, gymnastics. I'm sorry to skiing. Skiing. Oh, that, that's that... that's the stupid sexy Flanders one. Uh, is that that's season eleven? Yeah. Oof. All right. Okay. Cuckoo clock falls on her leg. Yep. It does yeah. indeed. I did not. I did not realize that was such a. That was. I thought that was like nine. Um. Okay. Your medium question. Mr. Burns wins what basketball team and names them what? Hey, that's two questions. It's not fair. I can. I frame these questions, Matt, and I think that the first answer to this is rather easy. So I added the second one to make it a little bit more difficult. Uh, I'm pretty sure he wins the Mavericks uh, from uh, Mark Cuban. Um, mm, I don't know what he renames them, though. The Springfield. Oh, the the Springfield uh, 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 Reactors. <laughs> That's not a bad name. No, uh, actually, he wins the Austin Celtics. Oh, of course. Instead of the Boston Celtics. Uh, they're fake. And then he names them the Springfield Excitement. Oh, of course, the excitement. That's oh, NBA team Reac- names in the nineties. The reactors is actually a much better name. I th- <laughs> <laughs> that's much better. I would totally root for a basketball team that was called the the reactors. Uh, what's my medium question, Matt? All right, so your medium question: What disease does Lisa convince Homer and Bart they have when they flout her chore wheel? Uh, leprosy. Yes, congratulations. I don't I don't like the amount of condescension in that in that in the way you said that. I don't appreciate don't that. So I yeah, exactly. I I is is that also that episode? Yes. Oh my I because Marge stays in the in the hospital. Right, right. Yeah, okay, yeah. All right. Um also I, I'm fairly certain I have a finite amount of space that the Simpsons knowledge can fit in. And every time I get new knowledge from episodes we're doing, all that old knowledge just gets pushed off into the ether and I lose it all. Like the time you took that home winemaking course and then you forgot how to drive. Exactly. I had to relearn. <laughs> Your hard question, Matt. All right. What excitement player is nicknamed the Human North Pole? Oh, uh, I'm not going to get this because he has like a, a crazy name. So I'm just going to go with Ictuktuk. It is M- Muck Moo. 
Oh yes, of course, Mukmu. How the, could I forget my favorite character? He's an, he's an Eskimo basketball player. It feels yep. it feels vaguely racist to me. I <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't about right. I don't can't remember that episode really well, but I, it does seem vaguely racist. Matt, what's my hard question? All right, so your hard question: Who appears to Lisa to help her with her Homer and Bart problem? Oh God. Um. Well, they think they have leprosy, and then they get sent off to that island, the leprosy island. Yes. Who appears to Lisa to give her that idea? Um. Oh. Um. Some like some book character, I think, or uh, I don't remember. Um. Uh, I don't know. Uh. You got a guess, Andrew? Is it Lucille Ball? That doesn't count. But yes, it is. <laughs> I don't get I don't get points for Andrew. I as my uh, no, phone, I'm afraid no, my, you you, you don't was, get a phone a friend. That was my phone a friend. I uh, Lucille <laughs> the, Matt, Matt Lucille Ball is the answer. Uh huh. Too late. Oh okay. Uh, Andrew, I assume you brought questions because you're uh, I did you you're a, 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 you always prepare adequately. That was the rejected Boy Scout motto. <laughs> um, <laughs> Do so a, Matt, uh, so to do Matt's take first. a step back. Well, we'll do Matt's first. My my theme, which you will quickly pick up on, was itchy and scratchy. So okay, just a heads okay, up. Good, good, great. Matt, your easy question. According to their theme song, what two things do itchy and scratchy do? I believe they fight and bite. That is correct. Let me let me fa- let me fix let me fact check that. <laughs> oh, all right. No, I, I think if that's wrong, I'm going to be no, shocked. No, I think, I, think, I think he got it. Yeah. <laughs> Robbie, your easy question. What is the name of the version of Itchy and Scratchy Land located in Europe? Uh, Itchy and Scratchy Land, Paris, isn't it? Paris? Is that your final answer? Oh, God. You're getting me on the easy question now. <laughs> Am I, I swear it was Itchy and Scratchy Land, Paris, wasn't it? Because it was like doing the Disney thing. Yes, it's Paris. I don't. I. I. Every ounce of my being says it's Paris. What is it? It is Euro Itchy and Scratchy Land. Uh, is it? But isn't there Frenchmen like at the gate? Yeah. Yes. But, yeah. Uh, his his children need wine, but it is Euro Itchy and Scratchy. Oh, land. that's garbage. All right. All right. Sorry, I thought it was easy. No, I'm just stupid. It's okay. All right, uh, Matt. Your medium question. Who wrote the novelization of the Itchy and Scratchy movie that Bart reads? Oh, um, isn't it Gore Vidal? Is that your final answer? I'm probably wrong, but yes. No, it is not grown-up nerds like Gore Vidal. It is Norman Mailer. Oh, of course. I knew it was somebody who writes super serious books that no one actually reads. Yes. (laughs) People people read those books in college? Yeah, when they're forced to. (laughs) (laughs) Robbie, your medium question. In the Simpsons movie, when Itchy runs for president, who is his running mate? Um, I don't remember any of that um, at all. I have watched that movie relatively recently, but... It's in the opening segment that is sort of just a, a condensed Itchy and Scratchy cartoon. Oh, okay. Um, that movie come out 2007 or something like that. So, you know, season, yeah. season 17, so that was, yeah, tw- 10 years ago. Um, um, his running mate is uh, Al Gore. I don't know. Final answer? Yes. Yes. 
I'm afraid his running mate was Hillary Clinton. Oh, I wanted to say so you were actually close. I was close. Yeah, you're in the ballpark. I guess the other actual people. Uh, I still failure always forever. <laughs> Matt, your hard question. In the day the violence died, comic book guy shows Barton Lisa a rare '70s bootleg itchy and scratchy cartoon inspired by the work of which underground cartoonist? Oh God, um... I know this. I know this. No, you. I mean, it's itchy and scratchy. Meet Fritz the Cat. But I don't know who the guy behind Fritz the Cat was, so I have no clue. I think I know this. Robin, you want to take a shot at it? Is it Robert Crumb? That is correct. So, oh. I do I you get the, do, do I straight. get his do I get his points? Does that work like that? I, I, I again, I feel like I have to run that by Matt since I am a, an interloper to this competition. I suppose we can give it to him. If I get his points for the easy question. <laughs> Seems like a fair trade. I will agree to that bargain. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Robbie. Mm-hmm. Your hard question. What are the names of the three new characters from the Itchy and Scratchy Friends Hour that Bart identifies in Itchy and Scratchy Land? Oh. Oh, okay. Uh, there's there's a... Is it Grouchy Goat... Uh, Klu Klux Clam, no dis- disgruntled goat, disgruntled goat, Klu Klux Clam, and oh, there's a, what's the third one? Um, bah, bah, bah. I'm trying to remember Bart's cadence. Um, it's like a starfish or something. I don't remember. I can't think of the third one. Matt, I want to say it's Uncle Ant, but it's been a while. That is correct. Between the two of you, you got all three. <laughs> Well, now I'm, I'm not gonna, sure how you want to divvy up the points for that. I, I gave myself two. I gave yeah. that one. We got a point. A point for each character. Uh, that uh, that that I am down only thirteen points. All right. Yeah, that's right. I'm making it back. Yeah, baby, D- getting down a single digit difference. Starting the comeback. Yeah, I'll, I'll get there. I'm sure. All right, we can move on. To our final segment, a segment we end every single episode with It Is Time for Best Episode Ever. Best Episode Ever. Best Episode Ever is the part of the show, man. I rank the episodes categorically, watch them chronologically, eventually compiling a list of every episode ever, and how good they are. So, Matthew. Yeah, this is going to be a tough one. I, uh, it's a lot better than I, I was expecting it to be, so I'm, I don't know, I'm looking top 30. I think that's I think that's a good start. Like I think that's correct. I think it is definitely top thirty. Um, I think, hmm, mm, mm, mm. I think it's in the territory mid teens somewhere. I think probably in the in the Homer Palooza, Hurricane Nettie, Bart. I, I don't. Yeah, I was I was I was thinking, is this better than scenes from the class struggle in Springfield? And I kind of think it is. I think it is as well. I don't I don't think it's better than Hurricane Nettie though. No, no, Hurricane Nitty is a, a great deconstruction of a classic Simpsons character. This is more of a meta commentary on when shows go too long, aka we think we're we should be canceled now. Well, they don't I'm curious what if you told them at the when right when this episode came out, no, actually there's gonna be 20, at least twenty eight seasons of the Simpsons, they would I, I wonder what their reaction would be. But so right below Hurricane Nitty? I like it. Me too. What do you think, Andrew? I think that's a good place for it. I think it's definitely a hair better than Scenes from a Class Struggle and not quite as good as Hurricane Day. So I think that fits. I mean, we are categorically correct when we make these rankings. So 
It doesn't and they will never ever change. Yeah, exactly. We change reality um, to suit us, honestly. It's the one power we have. Yep. It's a good power. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that puts Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie on, uh, let's see, number 16 on our list. Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie show. Excuse me. Number one on our list is still Cape Fear. Last place is still Homer's Odyssey, number 157, which, funnily enough, the man, the, the gentleman who was very angry on the news group and wrote thousands of words uh, explicitly used Homer's Odyssey as a great classic episode of The Simpsons. Oh, God. And I don't... Now we need to have him committed. <laughs> I don't... I mean, there's... there. I know there's people who think that Homer's Odyssey is at least a good season one episode. I uh, heartily disagree. But there's people who do think that way. I'm not going to, you know, crazy. Um, you can find this list on our website, simplythesimpsonshow.com. Links to everything there, to our Facebook, to our Twitter, to our RSS feed. Links to our Patreon. If you want to throw the show a couple dollars, we'd obviously appreciate it. Everything is there. Andrew, what do you want uh, people to, to check out? Well, first off, I know I say this every time, but I really mean it. I appreciate very much that you guys having me on. It's always so much fun getting to talk about my favorite show and, and be a part of this thing with you guys. So thank you very much for that. Um, I encourage everybody to check out my website, which is the Andrew blog, three words, theandrewblog.net. Uh, you can find my writing from all across the web. Currently in the middle of reviews of Better Call Saul, which is for my money, the best drama on television. Uh, just did an interview with Amber Nash, who's the voice of Pam from Archer. And uh, not too long ago, Consequence of Sound, which I also uh, do some writing for, had a Simpsons week, and I wrote uh, a handful of Simpsons uh, pieces that Robbie was kind enough to help me out with. So I would encourage you guys to please check that out. And you can also find me on Twitter at the Andrew Blog. Again, that's three words: the Andrew Blog. Thanks. No, and those uh, Consequence of Sound pieces are really good. I I had very little to do with them. I was uh, I was I was your 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 Simpsons helper just hey that's yep this is this is I I don't think I really it was, you 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 did it all you, that wasn't that wasn't me that was you you're in good advice eh, sometimes uh but you I do encourage all you guys to go check out all those things that Andrew just mentioned you can find me on Twitter at simply Robbie Dorman I finally caved changed it uh, and check out my three podcasts uh, well two two aside from this one. Uh, the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. It's about comic books. And The Serial Fanaticist, which is about lots of different stuff. Uh, last The last episode that dropped uh, on the, the Thursday prior to this uh, being released is uh, about Carrie, Stephen King's Carrie. So if you want to hear spoiler cast for books from 1974, um, that I have a podcast for you. Uh, Matt does not participate in social media unless you're a certain level of Patreon backer. You want to find him. Uh, that's true. However, I need to practice all of my languages, so feel free to send all kinds of uh, random languages uh, to Robbie, and I will attempt to translate them with my amazing language skills. Uh, please don't do that. Oh, but why? I get enough random emails to our uh, to our account, Matt. That uh, are, tell me that I sh- should pass on notes to the to. I don't. I get. Pl- People, I'm not, we're not, the, I don't, I don't, I, the people listening to this are not the problem. It's the people who just, I don't know where they get our email address, but I just get random emails all the time. Hey, wh- why you guys changed the show? Well, I'm, I'm Why not, did you, Robbie? I, I, I don't, I, you know, it's tiring. The, I ran the, out the of. The public has a right to know. I ran out of ideas. What do you want? I'm, I'm a man. I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I'm not a bottomless well. I'm sorry that there were two episodes about elephants. I can't help that. Uh. 
Okay. With that, I'm Robbie. And I'm Matt. And keep watching this episode. Shh.